You ready? He's here. Oh. You ready? Wait, hold on. Let me down my, right. my emergency. Yeah, you got to take the lead because I'm going to be real nervous. I'll take the lead. I got it. I got it figured out. Ready? Here. Yeah. Here we go. <clears throat> hello? Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. How is everybody? Oh, you know, doing all right. How about you? Uh, it's five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, set in a certain direction, but otherwise, fine. Yeah. I, like, I like the sound of that. How <laughs> How is the museum today? Uh, didn't go in today. Hell yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Working at home, as we say. Uh-huh. That's, that's the new reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we're we're so uh, we're so thrilled to have you come do this because uh, yeah. we are um, we're trying to get the the word deeper out on Mr. Zemeckis and like I said, we're we're hoping to do an actual like very similar to what you did at the moment, right? Soon, yeah. um, and we're just you know we you are the probably the leading American film critic to have a. Uh, concise and very true understanding of some of the works that I think have been a little slept on or just misunderstood. So, mm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of grew up with him. Uh, one of the first films I reviewed of the Chicago Tribune was uh, 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 Want to Hold Your Hand. What was that, 82? Uh, 81, I think, right? Or no, 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 it's, it's 78. 78, yeah. 78, okay, so I'm wrong. <laughs> was it the Tribune at that point? But anyway, let's just jump right into it here. So, um, so we're back. We told we told our listeners that we had a good reason for the break this time. It wasn't because we were lazy. This was uh, we 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 needed to call in the big guns. So, um, I guess we will introduce our guest. Uh, if you haven't read from the description of the episode, this is was the writer for the, the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Tribune for many years, later a writer for the New York Daily News, later the NY Times, otherwise known as the New York Times, and now the curator for the film department at the Museum of Modern Art. And Dan, that's a, that's a sweet gig to get. It's, a, <laughs> it's, our, it's our hometown hero. Uh. And for a city of so many influential film critics, I must say, my one that has really influenced uh, my writing and my appreciation of cinema. And it is, uh, it's Mr. Dave Kerr. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. Man. Real pleasure to be here. Did we forget anything in the credits there? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like enough to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one is that we have to, the reason for the season is because you are, have been one of the leading voices trying to accurately tackle the filmography of one Mr. Robert Zemeckis. And I certainly first was aware of this in your writing um, with your Forrest Gump review. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which we'll get to. And uh, you're, you're very, uh, and I, you know, Will and I talk about this a lot, but uh, your, your, uh, your review for Used Cars, which I think was a big gateway uh, for me when I was a lot younger to understand Zemeckis's movies a little bit better. So um, I guess let's just start start there. What what was your first exposure to the cinema of Robert Zemeckis? Yeah, just no expectations seeing I want to hold your hand at a press screening. You know, just thought this film has a, a lot of personality, a lot of skill, a lot of energy. Could kind of recognize where it was coming from in the sense that he was also a product of the uh, suburbs of Chicago. I could feel a lot of that, uh, you know, suburban angst and excitement and dread about going into the big city. And then just what kind of challenge and excitement uh, that meant to a teenager. And I think from that point on, I just was always on his side and was very glad as his career expanded and he had so many big hits. And then later kind of uh, despondent as, as his audience kind of seemed to, to leave him and uh, he continues to make interesting movies, but I don't think a lot of people are seeing them right now. Well, yeah, there's definitely been a pile on lately for his latest, which uh, did you get a chance to take a look at that? 
I did. I don't know what I was dreading. I mean, it's it's not the most personal thing he's ever done, but it's continuing that obsession with the uh, the uncanny valley. <laughs> when are these things alive? When are they not alive? What 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 constitutes you know a real person in today's cinema? It's uh, it's right in that groove, uh, just not very. Not a lot of dimension there. I mean, I found uh, Welcome to Morrow and was such a complicated and oh. not dark and, yeah, really disturbing uh, film, really, on Creed Occur. Pinocchio, uh, not so much, you know, we kind of business as usual. Yeah, he, he's, he, I would agree. I do feel that maybe even more than the witches, though, he's able to really sneak in a little bit of that. Zemeckis personality. I mean, we'll, we were just talking before you jumped on about the scene, which is just truly bizarre. <laughs> yeah, where he's, the Pinocchio is just bent over looking at a pile of uh, horse shit and studying. Yeah. That's so zemeckis and I <laughs> kind of a loss to explain why, but just that. It's <laughs> a wonder followed by the sense of like crushing disappointment, you know, that, that to me is his classic move. Uh, uh-huh. Like deflated Spielberg. What an what an amazing thing. Oh, childhood is so wonderful. Like, oh, here's a big pile of horse shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I had I had to keep rewinding. I was like, is he looking at horse shit? It's pretty photorealistic. <laughs> yeah, they put they put the effort in to make sure it does look like horse shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little bits of hay sticking out of it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was mm-hmm. I, I. His attention to detail is impeccable. <laughs> always, always, yeah. always. Do you think we'll set? We'll we'll start obviously with Pinocchio since we're talking about it. Do you? I guess the big question is: we. I think we can all agree it's probably not the most personal, and it's certainly not the most striking of his late career. Do you think though that there could be a, maybe not a Pinocchio Renaissance, but do you think that time could be a little more gentle to, because I kind of see Pinocchio as a pretty angry movie. Mm-hmm. It seems that way. Yeah, I mean, these are the qualities that will emerge, you know, as as it leaves the context of a commercial release. I think, you know, the film starts off on the wrong foot because it is, it's Disney, it's this unnecessary remake. It's just not clear you know, what would have attracted Zemeckis to this uh, and that he takes a co-screenwriting credit, which he hardly ever does, you know, suggests to me that there's some personal investment here that I'm just not twigging to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and maybe it'll become more clear in the context of the later movies, but um, yeah, I, I think as soon as we can look at it as you know, something other than a, a box office disappointing for the Disney uh, Corporation, we can start seeing what's really it's really there. Yeah, it does kind of remind me of when Marwin came out and everyone just wanted to jump on Marwin, just completely tear that movie apart. I don't think Pinocchio is as strong as Marwin. Marwin is quite something. Um, but I, I just, it's, I've only watched Pinocchio once. I, I'm going to go again. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, it does leave me with a sense like there's still something there. I mean, the beginning, yeah. like you can kind of see him in Will's offspring. So kind of see him in Geppetto a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. it it does speak to the the kind of Zemeckis protagonist of a person living in kind of an illusory world uh, unto themselves. Yeah, and sense of isolation, yeah, really powerful. Uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah. Is it Geppetto talking to himself this whole time? I mean, that's a possibility it's dark i mean i i he he bumps up the fat i don't know i i can't remember in the original pinocchio but does geppetto have a dead son at the beginning of that i'm pretty sure not that's something i wanted to check but that that could be in the novel i'm not sure but uh it certainly fills in a big blank and yeah where did that come from i just don't know it would fill the hole of a mini protagonist or show the empty hole for these protagonists like Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, backstory and what lies beneath. And um, 
the the i mean there's so many so many characters seemed of his seem to be usually kind of running from a trauma of the past or trying to escape what they perceive is coming as trauma mm -hmm. um and i noticed that you online had pointed out because this struck me too the scene of the uh the cuckoo clocks at the beginning oh yeah 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 uh it seems like a pretty direct attack on the disney corporate uh, <laughs> yeah. mechanics i mean it's just i know he had a bad experience with disney involving uh, his company some years ago it was sold to disney i think they closed down the unit he was not very happy and i was kind of surprised to see him back in the fold there but clearly he still has some some issues with the disney corporation and just to run through all of that ip and really vicious mechanical <laughs> I, I nearly stood up. I was like, oh, shit, are we, do we have a real Zemeckis movie on our hands here? <laughs> I mean, the Roger Rabbit getting bashed coming out of the cuckoo clock. You know, we all know what's happened with that character and its intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rumor is that they're sitting on a, a sequel, potentially, to Roger Rabbit. No. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure they commissioned one. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was in an interview with you where he spoke about it, though, because I know he's spoken that he had a a project that he was really excited about. He just didn't think that they would go for it. Wasn't me. Yeah, I don't remember that. Well, I think with Richard Williams not being available, that probably ended his his interest in that. Uh huh. The animator died. Oh, he was yeah. such an important part of Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No Hoskins anymore either. So I'm sure. Yeah, you could put John Hamm in there. You know, he's he's <laughs> coming back. Yeah, he's got the right spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Eddie Deason's still around. He was going to originally be uh, be that character. Let's put Eddie Deason in it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's having some. He's going through something right now. Did he? Oh no! Yeah, I oh, think no. some issues. Let's. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, we love Eddie. Yeah, we do. I, love Eddie. Mm -hmm. I think I think part of what hit me maybe when I was thinking, like you said, the same thing. Like what what drew Zemeckis to this project? I kind of went since we've been rewatching everything in order doing this project. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of went back. To just, I was like, maybe he had a moment of the thing that always pulled him and Bob Gale to everything, which was machinery, like very simply. And you know, it's I thought about it most in the moment when Geppetto wakes up and has the that new gadget that lights all the lanterns. You know, the moment he can mm -hmm. wake up, and I was like, maybe that was enough. Wherever wherever Zemeckis is at right now, he was like, if I can play with some homemade gadgetry again, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, know, it was just it was interesting to see to see. Like that kept sticking out to me, the machinery of this again. And I was like, maybe at the end of the day, if he can, if he still gets to play a little bit, <laughs> he feels okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. No, he just, he loves building those digital environments and just moving his camera around him. And that's, uh, it's almost too easy for him at a certain point. And I think that's what uh, bothers him. He has to get out into the, the world again. And the world is not too hospitable. So <laughs> it's, uh, Certainly not to a filmmaker like him. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it's good. I mean, you know what? He's working. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a tribute to his work ethic and the team he's put together after all these years, making a movie like once every two years, which is phenomenal pace for, for stuff that elaborate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he does know how to move through them. I mean, I, uh, I, I rewatched uh, and I, it's one of those movies you think you've seen it a bunch and then you put Castaway on and oh, yeah. for mm. fuck's sake, God, what a crushing movie. That's just a great, great film. And I, I just, yeah, that doesn't need any, any explanation, any excuses. That and that and flight, I think are those two, you know, transcendent, obvious masterpieces that need no, no further excuses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Castaway. I, I would say maybe my yeah I would consider that maybe his strongest film. I just I, that's a it's an unfuckwillable masterpiece. And <laughs> it's just uh, 
and you, you think you've seen it and you're like, all right, I know what's coming, the island. And it's still, it just, it wrapped me in attention. I'm, I'm just crying while dude, mm. Tom Hanks is watching Helen Hunt print those papers. It's just like, oh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just brilliant. And the homecoming scene, it's all filmed. You see it in the monitors being replayed as he's moving to that empty space. Oh. That's, that is just genius filmmaking. And, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree, and it, it was fun to see. Uh, you know, he loves to do little nods to his movies, so it was fun to see Geppetto and Pinocchio power that fucking porta potty raft out the, <laughs> out the whale's mouth. <laughs> oh, man, it's just, it's just a blast. Even if it's not, even if he's not making Castaway or whatever, it's like. Mm -hmm. he, there's still always something there okay. i guess yeah the one that i maybe you can convince me there's something there what do you think of the witches yeah again some trouble with that i'm not sure why you would retreat into two children's projects after marwin you know suggest it's a retreat you know he's, he's looking for some safe cover yeah yeah witches again i i, I it didn't stay with me very long. I thought, you know, he's working, you know, some of the death becomes her body transformation stuff. And, uh, mm. you know, a lot of it I admire just in terms of the direction. And, uh, as usual, just those incredibly beautiful long takes that he's able to compose, you know, working through these entirely fake environments. And, you know, it's just a visual a treat to me, start to finish. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, it, again, that's just like, I'm not sure why he, why he needed to make this right now? It, it seems like a bit of a, a bit of a retreat after Marvel. Yeah, yeah, it was. It seemed like a safe bet, and it it's hard because when you watch it, you're like, I feel like I'm watching an episode of Everybody Loves Chris. Hmm. It's that Chris Rock narration. It's like I don't know how to hear this any other way. Like <laughs> I would love to know what the motivation to put Chris Rock in that because it's just like. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying real hard here. <laughs> but um, that came with it. That's my guess. I'm sorry. I said I imagine that came with it. By the time <laughs> by the time I hit his desk, maybe that was already. Yeah. Emotion. Who knows? Um, yep. Yeah. The the yellow submarine movie might have fallen apart around that time too. Yeah, I think Disney had a hand in in shooting that down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's he got close with that one. I remember because I remember reading like there were tests that were hitting leaking on the internet. People were like, "Oh, mm -hmm. he's he's in production on this movie," and then just kind of fizzled out. I did. I I could almost see him having more of a a reason to want to attack Pinocchio more than the witches. I mean, he did get to he's already had a little fun with Pinocchio at the end of Roger Rabbit, so. Mm -hmm. So it kind of felt like, all right, maybe he just wants to, maybe he's not done yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, you know, part of it reminded me of Polar Express. I mean, he's taking another chance at uh, uh, the amusement park angle on uh, the North Pole at the end of Polar Express. He kind of comes back to that whole mise en scene here. But the technology is so much better this time. I think he's able to create a you know, more complicated, interesting space. And, you know, whether he's going to, you know, Polar Express being, you know, both an incredible leap forward, and now it looks like, uh, you know, it's so it's so dated in terms of the digital technology. And what's he going to do with that? You know, I half expect him to come back and just remake the whole thing, do it <laughs> over again, because he is such a tinkerer, and he's going to want to, he's going to want to fix it. Uh, and yet, I hope he just leaves it alone. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Such an artifact of 2002. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. Down to the Aerosmith bit. To... <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely an artifact. I I like it. I know Will. You just recently rewatched it. Mm -hmm. It's a. I mean, it. That one. That one's interesting, in my mind, because I think when it came out. When it came out, I was aware who Zemeckis was. You know, at that point I was young, but I knew who he was and I knew I liked his movies. But somehow when I saw Polar Express, 
I had missed that it was him. And I remember, you know, going to see it uh, and, you know, whatever, like had a, you know, had a nice time, didn't think much of it. And then it was, you know, a week later or so as I was reading things about it. And then as soon as I saw (laughs) the names of Macus, I was like, oh, I fucked up. All right. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. Got to go back to the theater and then rewatched it, you know, in a very di- in a very different way. Um, and it's it's one that I've seen. You know, I have nieces and nephews, so I've seen that movie a lot of times yeah. over the years. But um, I kind of love getting the opportunity to watch it with young people. Actually, a lot of Zemeckis. I recently watched Two Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. with those same nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the 11 year old was furious we were watching polar express he hated it he was mad he said this is stupid kid stuff his little sisters were having a great time Mm -hmm. they enjoyed themselves but then we turned on roger rabbit after and the little sisters got bored and walked away and he was just so engaged (laughs) so engaged and laughing so hard and asking me what jokes meant every step of the way but um you explained, know, was... you explained the California transit systems to you. To you <laughs> oh, I did. I don't miss. I don't miss it. I never. My sister. My sisters get sometimes annoyed with me because I do not miss an opportunity to uh-huh. tell the children about things like that. And Zemeckis is perfect to sneak in the true meanings when kids are really uh, enraptured with something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's we t- we talked about uh, we talked about a segregated Chicago and. You know what Toontown means, and we talked about transit system in LA when I lived out there, and it was it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Again, I think it's a very sophisticated film for for children. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. It's and he's re- he's respectable, which is nice. I like that. I like that he respects children. I do feel like that with his movies, which I think is lost a lot in American films, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Zemeckis respects his audience. <laughs> you know. It's nice. It's refreshing. That he does. Yeah. 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 Maybe almost too much. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, you know, he doesn't really tell you how to feel about things. And that's, you know, what makes Spielberg Spielberg. He's always telling you what you should feel about this. Mm -hmm. Zemeckis is, you know, he's sly. He doesn't really want to stick one label on things. And, you know, what again looks like a wonderful celebratory, then that kind of melancholy undertone rises up. And that's 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 Zemeckis to me. Do you think that uh, Spielberg, on some level, because obviously when they start working together, you can tell this Spielberg's thinking like, all right, I'm going to help this young director out and help him get, I want to hold your handmade, this and that. It seems like over time, you know, he's starting to be like, okay, well, this guy knows knows his shit. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let him do his thing. I'm gonna quit having to the student, you know, to be there in case he fucks up. I'll come in as the director. And I, I, sometimes I wonder if Spielberg wants to be Zemeckis more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I used to think that about uh, him and Joe Dante. That you know, Spielberg. Yeah. Loosen up, he could make gremlins, but he can't, you know, he just <laughs> can't let go to that degree. And, mm-hmm. He certainly well, couldn't make gremlins, too. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh, no way. No one could make that except. Yeah, both Zemeckis and, and, and Dante get in there and kind of needle Spielberg on that formula. He's big enough a guy to take it. I mean, he releases these films there. Yeah. <laughs> I could, but... Uh, yeah, I, it's like he almost wants them around because he can see like, oh, I love that you can do that. But I also know that I'm Spielberg <laughs> and I'm going to do and I have no shade on Spielberg. I love him. But uh, I, the closest I think he's gotten to getting getting a little of that flavor was his uh, um, was Ready Player One. I thought on some level I could almost see this movie approaching a Zemeckis level. Of of subversion and trying to slip these little ideas into this popcorn mess. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Sure, that that, yeah, that's that rich pop culture stew that uh, Zemeckis always makes interesting stuff out of, and Spielberg is kind of embarrassed by it. Yeah, needs to sentimentalize it, needs to sanitize it a little bit. But for Zemeckis, it's just all yeah, good dirty fun. All kinds of. 
he loves some dirty fun. There's no denying that. Um, I guess we should, uh, instead of just going through everything that he's done, let's um, let's talk about, I think, a very major nexus for Zemeckis, and that is uh, a movie that maybe some people here have heard of. I won't be surprised if not. Uh, it's a movie called Forrest Gump. I've heard of it. <laughs> Good. The sleeper. Um, I think that's where a little of the language and the thought and discussion about Zemeckis gets muddled. It's not hard to point to uh, used cars these these days and say, "Look at this! Holy shit! <laughs> like this was being made." Mm -hmm. by a major studio they're doing some sort of notorious key shot with the opening but it's on a thermometer <laughs> being juiced brilliant oh um and you know you can start to see and your your blurb for uh back to the future was one of the few that um really points to like hey this is part of the trashy zemeckis we've always known it's it doesn't mm -hmm. it's it doesn't uh, exist outside of that and then up through Romancing the Stone, his wonderful, we're, we're gigantic fans of his uh, Tales from the Crypt episode all through the house. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the leanest perfection of, you know, <laughs> 20 some minutes ever. Mm. And these movies are pretty generally accepted. Death Becomes Her is a pretty, you know, deservedly, you know, cult classic now. Uh, you see that programmed a lot. People know. But then that side of him seems to stop, not to most people. Mm -hmm. I think it changes a little bit. It morphs, but, but we, get to, we get to Forrest Gump. So as I alluded earlier, you, your article on Forrest Gump, uh, well, we could spot the difference between your article and other articles being yeah. about that movie. <laughs> um, you point to a much darker tale being woven less of a a boomer fantasy and more of a almost a a darkly satirical and cautionary tale of mm. moving through life um well blissfully ignorant right which has its advantages as it turns out you know which is one of the things that's difficult about that film i mean yeah, I remember, you know, seeing it at the press screening and just uh, finding it so beautiful and moving and sad and that final image of the feather just drifting around. It seems like this is out of Mizuguchi. This is just so gorgeous. And getting up and looking around that screening room with the people just, what the hell was that? And kind of, you know, schlepping out of it, feeling so completely alienated from that experience. And one of those times is utter disconnect with the people around me. And it's like, I, I just saw a completely different movie. Uh, and I don't think it's because I'm, you know, particularly brilliant or insightful or something, but I guess was not beginning with the idea that this is a sentimental film because Zemeckis to me is not a sentimental director kind of at all. You know, it's the basic structure of Voltaire's Candide. You have, you know, the, the happy-go-lucky kind of moronic guy drifting from one disaster to another, always coming out on top through no fault of his own. <laughs> and then the story of uh, his girlfriend, uh, who is just has pretty much the same experiences, but is humiliated, destroyed, you know, just uh, the world attacks her at every opportunity. You know, and these are the two trajectories of Forrest Gump. Um, you know, the, the tragedy that it attacks the, the woman who is actually far more engaged and an active and socially conscious person than Forrest, who just drifts through life, uh, you know, takes things totally superficially. Uh, and is you know is buffeted around by these these air currents and uh, you know just is this life in America you know the, the things that you want are the things you can't have and the things that just come to you naturally uh, it's maybe you don't deserve that it's uh, mm -hmm. right you know, you know I don't I didn't find that a sentimental vision still don't no I think people would probably have a better chance now of seeing less of its sentimental 
vision because I think that even Zemeckis was probably and Hanks it sounds like reading interviews were surprised that the movie oh yeah 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 I I do not think they were expecting that kind of reaction (laughs) and uh, well it was the most sentimental I mean who didn't Newt Gingrich make it part of his like bullshit yeah it, it became political like there's this you know republican vision of america which i think is just absolutely not at all what this film <laughs> film is uh, it, it reminded me of when american sniper came out how that movie kind of got politicized into camps to say this mm-hmm. is what the movie is it is this baldly republican conservative rallying cry i i I don't know how you feel about that movie, but I kind of had a very different reaction when I saw that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, Clint is a similar filmmaker in ways that he's, you know, people like to think he's simple-minded and straightforward, and actually he's, he's kind of anything but. He's a, he's a rather thoughtful guy with uh, no simple ideas, you know. He's always able to see the other side of something, and, and that's what very much drew him like this, and particularly in this film, which is just, it's those two people who are kind of you know linked together. He's continually rising and she's continually falling. And, and it's just it's it's a tragedy. Do you think let's let's kind of address a couple of the criticisms surrounding it? I hear a lot when you talk about that movie with people, maybe some film critics here in the city of Chicago, who find uh the Ginny character's portrayal to be pretty ugly and misogynistic. What would uh, what would the panel here say to that? <laughs> I, I'll I'll start it off. I don't think so at all. I yeah, I don't really see where that's coming from. I think that's projection, purely projection. <laughs> <laughs> I think Zemeckis loves her. I don't I don't see any sense of her being being punished, being deserved to be punished, or something like that. I, no, I mean she does everything right, and she suffers because of it. That's that's uh, yeah. That's the that's the Zemeckis ethos of the world. It's yeah. um, you know, Tom Hanks doesn't necessarily get punished by getting on the plane in Castaway, but he, as he says, he turns back on he turns his back on time. He's obsessed with it, he lets it run his life. I mean, you could look at that as this is God intervening, but it doesn't really seem to be that. It seems like a bird flew through the the one of the, the thing or maybe that's flight one of bird gets in one of the engines at one point but mm-hmm. uh it's you realize like it's anything but an intervention like you know like the whole crew dies he gets stuck on this island he's stuck there for four years it, it's 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 the randomness of things sometimes you're gonna get well yeah, I'd like a box of chocolates that experience he's permanently changed by that he can't go back right know? He can't go back to his old life. You know, when I first saw it, there was a beautifully ambiguous ending on it that was later altered for reasons I don't understand. Where Ooh. Dude's going, well, he's, he's uh, trying to deliver the last package. He drives up that dirt road uh, to where the sculptor's house is. He gets there. There's nobody there. He turns around and drives back to the end of the road. And as he's kind of turning back to the highway, Another car pulls up, and it's clearly the woman who's the sculptor. And she's this very attractive redhead. She's kind of coming on to him. It seems like this is a real possibility, more or less inviting him to come back up to the house. She drives off, and the last shot is of him standing at the crossroads trying to decide what to do. Is he going to reinsert himself back into humanity and try to find a, a wife and a life? Or is he going to continue being this person who was struck by this unique experience and could never see the world in quite the same way? turns again mm-hmm. that was just a really powerful finish mm-hmm. at some point yeah. that that went away and that was kind of a happy ending with mm-hmm. there's some ambiguity but not as, as well developed as it was in that first cut yeah i mean even when he gets it's like he can't once he goes to the island he can't you almost get the sense that he wants to go right back after a while because it's yeah. like he's, he's just it's, it's the solitary life also has its its, its appeals. Maybe and, that's too easy, too. I mean, it's and he could live with the illusion that he still had Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
he comes back to that hotel room and he's still he's sleeping on the floor he's he's it's it's so fucking heartbreaking like it's that like deep breath that he takes when they have the moment you know they have the kiss in the rain and then she gets in the car you know and you know they're gonna drive off to his hotel or whatever and she takes that beat and he says something along the lines of you know like you have to go back and she says yeah and they have their final moment but the breath that he takes Oh my God, there's so much in that deep breath that he takes before she gets out of the car that so many other movies spend hours <laughs> trying to trying to communicate. But the the weight of that breath is astonishing. Yeah, that's that's cinema, you know. Oh yeah. Truly, like, oh mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just and it's so sad seeing that every time they part, it's in this fucking car. <laughs> it's again back to the machines always back to these yep. fucking machines <laughs> yeah well and tying it in with gump one thing i never really noticed is it the so that speaking of that scene when tom hanks comes over to return the the, the watch he it seems like he is very much trying to call your attention to the finale of forrest gump like Helen Hunt looks eerily like the Ginny character mm. at the end of the movie, almost to the same outfit. And it's, it's in a home where a, a family has been, you know, born and let to flourish that he was not a part of. Mm. And both he's like looking at these like things on the wall. He's looking at like all these kids drawings and everything. Yeah. yeah that's a beautiful point. And, and it does seem like, with something like that, like I wonder if Zemeckis could ever really let go um, the reception that Forrest Gump got, which was either, you know, put down as this conservative fantasy or just this Oscar Beatty sort of uh, award season movie. Yeah. And he, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know. I mean, we'll never know. It's, it's uh, yeah, he's he's not that kind of a guy. He's not going to come out and, and say anything. So, um, he's good. That's what makes him a. I know. I mean, I've known the guy as well as probably any journalist can for you know forty years now, and I I barely know him. You know, I <laughs> say I I know what's going on in that little head. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's yeah. a tough guy. He's he's withdrawn. He's he's uh, he's very introverted. It's uh, yeah. you know I think the reason he he doesn't get uh, more uh, critical appreciation because he does not put himself forward. He just is not on the circuit. He's not out doing interviews. It's not you know it's not doing the junkets. It's uh, it, it's not him. He doesn't like doing that stuff. Yeah, he's a little like when you read interviews with like John Ford, like he just kind of gives you the answers mm. that it's like, you know, that he's supposed to give you mm. like he's playing the game. It's like he doesn't want the illusion. I, I think he fears that if he maybe showed too much of his hand that he'd feel it breaks. Right. Yeah, just his particular kind of artistry, I think, does have a lot to do with Ford for him to admit that he was he is an artist, that he's a self-conscious artist would be going too far you know it's just not something that he's he's going to admit to himself and that's what allows him to create these things yeah you know it's like he's aware of the longevity that his work will have <laughs> one day that he's not concerned well, trying to yeah. justify it now you know as soon as we forgive him for forrest gump for being you know too successful and winning too many oscars and mm-hmm. and that'll, that'll happen in a few more years but uh, you know, hopefully people can see that work for for what it is and you know, well, yeah, and keeping with the Ford thing, I think a great comparison of movies that might, because now people can understand this movie, so maybe they could do this with Gump. I, I, I see a lot of Ford's The Long Gray Line in mm. Gump. It's just a person that is completely... Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah, just shackled by an institution. But it's you don't notice it because you're caught up in the pop sensibility of the filmmaking. They're sprightly, they're funny, with Ford, there's body Irish jokes. And then you got like uh, the Beach Boys and the, the Mamas and the Papas soundtrack on this. It's like, there's enough to distract you. Very true. Yeah, that's a very interesting comparison. Because like, there's there's two key scenes for me in uh, Forrest Gump. And 
One, which does really make me think of the long gray line, is uh, the scene where he finds Jenny at the uh, at the rally, um, and they're walking, they're walking in front of the Capitol or the White House or whatever, but they're walking in opposition to the line of there's that big procession of that funerary procession of um, people holding candles for those that they lost in the Vietnam War. Okay. And they just seem, they both almost seem so completely oblivious to what's to the left of them. Mm -hmm. And they're just moving past it. They're talking of their lives. And that to me really sums that movie up that like, it's not necessarily a character flaw that one maybe doesn't notice what's happening in their times, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's suddenly, it's certainly tragic. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one that will, uh, this was what I got Will to, to rewatch Forrest Gump because Will, we love him, but thought I was crazy for being like, no. <clears throat> I was one of the, I was a Kool-Aid drinker. I came up on this movie being, you know, my, my parents um, were not conservative people at all, but very uh, classic white liberal Christian, small town. And Forrest Gump was, you know, the the pinnacle of everything they believed in, as far as they were concerned. Um, and so, you know, I came up on the movie that way, and I it took it took a long time, well, till now, to shake that. I think. Yeah, um, I think it is that too. You know, it's not taking yeah. those values uh, sarcastically at all. No, 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 no. They're there. They're there. But it, I, it was hard for me to see what else was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think until. Yeah, I mean, and, and, until now, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't see, I couldn't see everything else that was going on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This time I couldn't have seen it louder. It was rewatching it this time. I couldn't have felt more like the only term that came to my head was lunkhead. <laughs> Truly, I was just like you. Oh my god! Like it smacked me upside the head from the opening moment. I was like, wow, wow, have I missed this completely? <laughs> And yeah. then, you know, I'd, I had read your piece on this before, and I remember the first time I read it thinking like, wow, the, I can't see any of this shit. Like, what am I, what am I missing? But again, again, as soon as, you know, as soon as I watched it, all of that came flooding back. And then the moment I finished, I reread it again. And I was like, no, I just had really, really wild, like oh. long time, long term blinders, like melded into my skin. <laughs> that I had to finally pull off, but they came off. They came off hard this time. I guess the little shift in perspective can make so much difference. Oh, yep. Or someone sending you 20 text messages at two in the morning. Being like, <laughs> I don't think I'm drunk or high. I think I've finally seen this movie for what it is here. <laughs> and what really got me this time, which is what I, you know, text bombed Will in the middle of the night for was uh, that just popped out at me like i was like what am i maybe we're all living in this illusory zemeckis protagonist world was when you're like because i had forgotten oh yeah he becomes a millionaire like mm-hmm. that's funny it's very funny uh, mm-hmm. for doing nothing but you realize the way he became a millionaire was not off of asking god to help him out it was that the weather fuck went wild destroyed the entire black shrimping community and he's just able to walk right in and just well i'll take that yep him and lieutenant dan just ready to roll (laughs) i was like they put that in this this movie won so many oscars yeah it's crazy oh my god yeah no i was true i was also it's not the first time in my life you know we all it's all it's why i love rewatching things because in my opinion you you always got to check yourself Mm-hmm. Um, strong opinions in either direction, whether extreme love or extreme hate, you know. But I was I was a little embarrassed <laughs> as I rewatched this movie. I was like, wow, I really let I really let how I was introduced to this and what a lot of people think about it color, um, you know, what I missed out on here because it, it's it's clear as day. It's not you know, anybody who watches this movie with an open mind. I do not understand how they miss out. <laughs> Well, I kind of agree with you, but a lot of people just yeah don't don't see it. So, yeah. Well, thanks for leading the charge. Yeah. Really. We're apologizing <laughs> to you for a decade. <laughs> like, yeah, 
<laughs> well, I can't tell you how nice it is to hear from people who actually like Forrest Gump. So that's, oh no, I'm it's now no, it's I, I I really really cherish this movie now, and I've already there's also since my rewatch, you know, which was a couple weeks ago. Um, we've got another four people so far on this wagon who have also now read your piece. <laughs> so oh, right. it's spread, it's spreading. So thank you for thank you for you know leading the charge oh, yes. when nobody else was. Soon the entire music box going public. That's right. <laughs> I have no choice. Nothing would make me happier. <laughs> well, I it well we'll talk further. I think when we, uh, yeah, if, when we that, get- if that happens, obviously you got to come out. So everybody can, you know, give you the credit you deserve for leading leading this. Throwing things at me. I don't know. <laughs> flowers, big bouquets. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I promise. I, I'll take I'll take them outside if they throw anything right. else. <laughs> and and it's really cool how I think once you can get past your preconceived notions of Forrest Gump about how everything from that point on really shines if you were someone who was kind of also missing things with Zemeckis once you've seen the sadness there's no going back you know once you know that that's there the work is in a completely different place for you you have to have that moment because it's, it's without that you're not understanding it yeah the sadness and the humor I mean I, this time I'm watching Contact I'm telling, like telling well I'm like <laughs> I'm like, wow, Matthew McConaughey is literally like if Forrest Gump walked into the Clinton administration. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. He's the science advisor. (laughs) But again, one of those great ironic deflation endings. When that whole magnificent scene on the beach and just like, oh. So she had a thing for her dad. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's it, you know? And uh, you know, all the amazing stuff that comes out of this kind of trivial emotion. Uh, yeah, that the aliens are like, here, let's, uh, we'll give you the loneliest Floridian beach. And <laughs> I mean, he's, hey, no one's made uh, fun in the sun look more depressing than with uh, that beach and then Castaway. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I know he had... From what I had done research on this one, I, I could. It seemed like he had a lot more he tried to put in that movie, mm-hmm. but the the Department of Defense stepped in. Yeah, I would like to read a production history of that. Oh, clearly off the rails, and he was not the first director, right? This was a yeah something he inherited. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember exactly what. I think it was Barry Levinson was going to do it. Uh-huh. And he stepped in, rewrote the script, and then apparently he had injected a bunch of uh, not nice things about the U.S. military. <laughs> shock. Well, shock. How no. dare he? How dare he? An impeccable organization. <laughs> yeah, from the writer of 1941, I'm exactly. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how dare you in this day and age? Shout out to Haiti. Um, yeah, uh, I would have loved to have seen what he uh, could have said about our beloved military. Oh, yeah. Because no. he gets, I mean, he gets close. I mean, the movie's not like the most glowing. Indoor. I mean, the White House got mad at him for it. It's still there. And that's that's part of the thing that like has shown, has shined so clearly through watching all this stuff in order as well as that even when he has to kowtow to whatever point he never they can never scrub it clean because he's too fucking smart (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's too fucking smart to like them to get everything out he's too sly he's too mischievous he always gets the digs in no matter what Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no and i mean yeah like even a movie like that i also thought i'd seen a bunch grew deeper to me on this was what lies beneath like mm-hmm. talk about a movie that you can complete you could if if you want to take the hawks ethos of almost invisible filmmaking like that there's something about that movie that every time i've seen it it washes over me even though it's like it's filled with some of the most impeccable craft and camera work okay. 
And it probably has to do with the fact that it's a person trying to live in this illusory world of a reader's digest home mm-hmm. and they're addicted to pills. not unlike some other people in the Zemeckis world. Right. And this time I could almost feel like you could make a case that she's hallucinating most of it. Hmm. Like even when the dead hand comes up, I still, I'm like, you could still make a case that she's hallucinating that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting angle. And that's, uh, you know, when he first starts digitally manipulating the image is in what lies beneath and in very subtle ways, just uh, tweaking the lines around an eye, this kind of thing. Um, Very discreet. And that's, that's what I think gets him excited about, uh, you know, trying the whole motion capture technology. (laughs) And it's kind of dangerous too. You start treating people as puppets. Uh, that's not good. Mm. It's got to bite back and uh, like Pinocchio, but uh. taking the whole Wellsian idea of the big old train set and uh, yeah, here you go. Yeah, I mean, he makes great train set movies like that. <laughs> Day of Wolf and Christmas Carol, which are just nothing but camera movements, I think, and yeah. just yeah. rolling through space in a really beautiful way and not a whole lot. I'm a lot of substance in those, but uh, you know, really just gorgeous to look at, and he's he's enjoying his train set. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out the subtleties that he can do because a lot of people do like to say like, oh, well, he just became a special effects guy. Well, maybe a little, but like he, there's there there's some very subtle uh, things in what lies beneath. But even this time watching Castaway, I was so there's the scene where the plane crashes in the ocean. It's just one of the most gorgeous things he's ever used with special effects with the the, the lightning and the, the fire and the water and later when he uh knocks his freaking tooth out with the uh with the ice skate he he like he collapses and the camera goes into a devo- uh, dissolve of the of the fire and for just a half a second or a second longer than it should hold it melds from the fire to the water and literally looks exactly like the scene where he's crashed into the water. Uh-huh. I never would have noticed that if I, yeah. one, hadn't been imbibing, and two, knowing that I was like, all right, I got to pay attention here. Right. Yeah. No, it's a shocking level of detail. It's, he misses nothing. In the- no. It, it's, 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 it's amazing. We don't want to hold up too much of your time here, so I just want to ask you a few more things. Mm-hmm. We just we're we're talking to the go-to Zemeckis expert here. This is <laughs> what, where could we go from this? I guess Zemeckis. Uh, so, and I think that you'll give us more answers than he will. So, um, talking of two of his later films, I have very strong feelings for one, and one I would love for you to try to convince me if 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 mm. <laughs> I. I'll start with the one I'd love. A, okay, we'll start with the one I we like. Do you are you a fan of Allied? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, amazing movie. Amazing movie. You know, all shot in a bare walled soundstage. There's nothing real in that entire film. And again, that's the theme of it. You know, it's, God damn. So Brad <laughs> is living in a world where absolutely nothing is real, and. Uh, the one hint of reality is at the very end when apparently his, his uh, wife is a uh, agent of the Nazi government. <laughs> it's <laughs> there to assassinate people. It's it's uh, the climax of that film. You know, it's really expressing the color of her hat in that last image where she looks away, and there's this kind of weird purpley hat that is so. It just knocks that image from the benign into the sinister in such a deft, subtle way. And I talked about this with Zemeckis and uh, his costume designer. They talk about just the the miles of, of, of fabric they went through trying to find exactly that right shade or, or, or purple mm. that would just kind of you know invade that frame and, and sour it a little bit. So it's not a you know it's pulling you outside. It's making you realize that yeah, she probably actually is a Nazi or a double agent. Uh huh. Yeah. It works like what lies beneath works, where it's like, yeah, I guess you're waiting for the twist or the other shoe to fall, but like, 
it doesn't really matter. It it doesn't matter if one ends up being a murderer or one ends up being a double agent. Like you get, for me at least, that you get so caught up in the anxieties of a relationship between two people who are mm. doing desperately the best they can to give themselves the idea that we have the perfect image of a couple. Right. Yeah. And it's an image is all it is. It's, it's, and that's all they have left is that photograph. Yeah. The torn photograph. I I will. Yeah. I mean, that was big. Cause we, I just got to, anyone who slept on allied yeah. allied is the fucking movie. <laughs> you should be so glad that we were ever gifted something like that. Mm-hmm. It'll, that one will come back. That one will come back soon. Oh yeah. Oh, oh it will. Yeah. That'll come back soon. What's your What's your need convincing though? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's try to convince me and anyone else who might have had issues. Um, I like half of the walk. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with you there. Sure. I mean, the first half is pretty shoddy all the montreal trying to pass his paris and not working and yeah i know clearly his investment's entirely in in the walk itself which uh, uh wow i mean oh. <laughs> again it's this, this peak experience this guy you know his whole life is leading this one moment where he achieves this remarkable beautiful thing which is filmed with such you know passion and beauty and it's really exciting i mean i mean watching that film and just you know i'm a little bit agoraphobic you know just this is scaring the shit out of me it's so beautiful i want it to be over like right now you know (laughs) ambiguity that this is horrifying this is beautiful you know and uh, very few films that have made me feel that as as intensely as as that movie oh yeah my palms were sweating well, okay. So you've convinced me of the second half. I was going to say I love the first half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That version yeah, of the. Let me hear it. No, I mean, I, I, I know. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I, I, it doesn't matter. It's, I feel like it's one of those instances where, and you know, I'm, I can be a real stickler about this in either direction, whether the first half or second half, but especially when it's the second half. I'm not worried about the first half when the second half is that strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 okay, and I'll probably find more to like, or at least be interested in the first half over the years. Because again, you know, we'll keep returning because the second half. <laughs> like we'll 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 all keep coming back to that because we know that feeling, whether it's sickness or like you know something sublime. Um, we'll keep coming back. So I'm not sure if it matters. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just hoping that there's a case to be made for how repugnant parts of the opening are. I mean, the the him <laughs> unicycling through Paris <laughs> in the Amelie <laughs> is just like no. I nearly like I might go for a walk. I forgot no. about that. <laughs> right. Um, maybe it, there is. Maybe there is. Yeah, well, he's such an unlikable character. It, it made me think that, you know, kind of the subtle balancing act that he did a lot better and more subtle with uh, Steve Carell's character in Welcome to Marwin. Uh-huh. Sure. So it might be there, and maybe it's just too intense for <laughs> my little brain to process. Yeah, I just, you know, my feeling was he could not wait to get to the wall and just, we're going to bustle through this as quickly as we can, <laughs> get down to business. And- uh-huh spectacularly and then, and again that beautiful sense of letdown at the end where this is the one thing that his life is always going to focus on is this day you know when he went out and did this thing and nothing he's ever going to do is ever going to have that that importance you know so in a way it's a defeat for him his life is over the moment he, he returns from that law yeah, yeah. I, okay again I didn't even connect. I didn't even make that. I was so like exhausted from that walk and trying to put away Joseph Gordon-Levin's performance in my head that I was like, I kind of missed that. But you're right. That I mean, most endings for his characters are these are pretty sad endings. Yeah. Um, the aftermath. It's oh yeah, and has that little monologue at the end and the fade to black and the, and and the way the, the World Trade Center just dissolves. You know. 
that's gone. You know, that moment is gone. And uh-huh. it's, it's, I think he really stuck it, you know, beautifully at the end. Rush, yeah. Rushing through the first half. <laughs> Sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I say that's a bet as good of a case as we're going to make for the walk. Um, I, 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 again, I think like a movie like the walk, I mean, it still looks good on a TV, but getting to put that back on the big screen. Yeah. 3D, you know, again, this is a guy who yeah. he really brought it back. Polar Express was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he loved that process and he got some beautiful effects out of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of hope he's done with it now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we can hope. I'll never I'll never forget that weekend. I was telling John earlier, I'll never forget the weekend that I went, I drove to Des Moines, Iowa. I was going to, I was going to college in Southern Iowa, uh, at a tiny little school. And I drove to Des Moines to see first Michael Mann's Public Enemies mm-hmm. in a different direction of technology and then followed it with Zemeckis's Beowulf in 3D. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yep. It's quite a night. Right. Well, hopefully he sticks with the CGI work of Allied and uh the walk because he's he's clearly better when he he uses it when he needs to use it yeah mm-hmm. um and you know what i'm just hoping that that uh that uh that toy uh compass from the cracker jack box makes a third appearance which threw <laughs> me because that's from 1941 and then you see it pop up in contact and you're like what the fuck? <laughs> You found something here. Yeah. I was like, is that the same? Oh my God. <laughs> there you go. There's probably key. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Fucking compass. <laughs> Cracker Jack compass. It'll pop up in here. Fingers are crossed. Gee. Ask him about that. That's something he had, I wonder. That's that's really Yeah. <laughs> Hey, he knows how to do it, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you get a fr- if you get an answer on that, let us know. <laughs> uh, I'll open negotiations. <laughs> I mean, that's what we'll that's what we'll call the music bug. <laughs> there like we go. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Put that. We'll put that on the pitch for. <laughs> um, um. Well, do we? Uh, I guess we'll close here. Do you have any? Uh, is there any final? thoughts or anything on Zemeckis that you want to leave us with or gosh no I just you know I'm sure he's already halfway through another film and I can't wait to see him well Damn. it might be might be reuniting with the with the Forrest Gump crew yeah so yeah <laughs> I'm here for it we shall see yeah. we shall see or it'll be Flash uh, 2 <laughs> <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever if you ever you know if we ever uh do this again you want to join us let's dive into the tv i want to talk about johnny bago yeah. <laughs> we'll do that another time i'm it's i'm so obsessed now. i had never that is the one thing in all of his career i realized that i hadn't seen that he was tied to you because i'd seen the other tv work i'd never seen johnny bago and i'm a yeah. little bit obsessed now so <laughs> yep. the one i've never seen is the one about uh, drug addiction Somebody yes. Says, yes. Oh, oh, what's get it for the moment show. There are no prints anywhere. Really? Yeah. Oh, we should really know that. Well, uh, well <laughs> good. good. That's that good to know. Because I was going to, I was going to hunt for that print. Yeah, so. that, that one is really hard to find. Yeah, that's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, it's, so, it's interesting. The mech is on smoking and drinking. That's an odd, odd title. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll send it to you. Okay. You can send it. We've because watching it, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's I'm a, in the it's addiction. Quite a, it's quite a journey. You'll enjoy yourself. <laughs> we have it. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Oh, we have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get it, get it. Wow. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll send it to you. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yes. Sir, it'll be in your inbox momentarily. Oh. <laughs> wow. This is this has been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes two that's uh, makes three of us. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Truly, thank you. Uh, you know, thanks for thanks for the work you do and uh, leading leading this rally cry. Always, you know, because when John, I had forgotten about it. When we were talking about used cars and John pulled out your review, we were just, you know, we got, that was dead silent because I was floored. I had forgotten, you you know, you 
you put it so succinctly then and you've done so throughout the whole career. So thank you for joining us. And so you know, you know, love this guy's work. And I'm so glad you guys are discovering it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. These people, these people, these motherfuckers are just going to have to get with it <laughs> or later. So, um, <laughs> Well, hopefully we will talk again, and it is just—it's been an, an absolute treat and pleasure. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Take care. Right. Yeah, take care. Look in your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Your